All right, well, we are doing a four-part series, Sex God's Way. Uh, we're taking a look at God's plan for you in relation to physical intimacy uh, with your spouse. It's God's desire and our desire as a church uh, that we don't just want your marriage and your family to survive, but we really want it to thrive. And uh, I have a special guest here this morning with me. Uh, can you please give it up for my beautiful wife, Sabrina? Now, as you Southerners say around here, she got her hair did this past week, and it looks good. It looks good. So, how, uh, how are you feeling? How are you feeling this morning? Uh, I'm pretty terrified. So, um, for those of you who know me, and maybe some of you who don't, this is my very first time public speaking ever. So if you extend me a little bit of grace, I might say, um, a few too many times or, um, pee my pants or something. So just, <laughs> if you can, uh, keep that in mind when I'm speaking, we'll just blame it on the coffee. If you there spill it on yourself. Yeah. I have my okay. coffee up here so I can hide behind it if I get scared. <laughs> well, we are talking about multitasking and, uh, how to be a lover and a parent. I uh, just wanted to review a little bit of part one and part two. If you guys weren't here, uh, part one was understanding your wife's needs, and we talked about uh, pursuing your wife, uh, and if you don't pursue her, someone else is going to pursue her. And we talked about foreplay all day. That foreplay starts in uh, the beginning of the morning, as soon as that happens. Uh, respect and to be kind to each other. You know, you have to be kind with your words, and uh, you have to also watch out for the foxes as well. Some of those foxes can be resentment or apathy in your marriage. Uh, but they also can be people from the outside as well. And we know that Satan, uh, Satan hates us. Satan hates God's kids. Satan will try to destroy you. He'll try to destroy your marriage. He'll try to destroy your family as well. And husbands, we ask the question, uh, does your wife feel pursued, loved, respected, and protected? We ask that question. And uh, guys, is there anything we need to do with the mics over here? It's kind of, what's that? Hold it up. Okay. All right. I'll do that. Uh, then we talk about part two, understanding your husband's needs, that uh, men, even with great faith, struggle with fear, uh, that the battle is real. You know, the sexual temptations surround men every single day, that uh, to celebrate how God has created your husband. And ladies, we talked about how, um, you know, one of the ways that makes you feel like a female is to be able to nurture and one of the ways that makes us feel like a male is to have sex. And, and that's how God has wired us. And sex doesn't have to be a chore. And then, ladies, we asked you the question, does your husband feel valued uh, as a husband, as a provider, and as a man? And hopefully all of you have been taking uh, my one-month challenge by making love to your spouse once a week. Crickets. Some guys are smiling around here, so I know that you guys have been taking up that challenge, so I appreciate that. Hey, if you're on social media, hashtag sex God's way. Uh, if you want these sermon notes, just send an email to info at bridgechurch.cc. I do want to thank, uh, thank you guys for sending encouraging emails. You know, we've got a lot of criticism with, with this series uh, in the community, but when we get emails of life change, and I just got an email this past week that uh, a lady was saying that uh, they've only been married for about three years, and she said that her 
her and her husband, her husband has pursued her more in the last two weeks than he has the last several years. And so when I, when I see life change, when I see marriages draw closer to one another, when I see families changed, listen, it's, it's worth all, all the criticism in the world when you see life change. So thank you guys so much. Uh, I do want to continue to promote some of the books that we have out in, the, out in the bookstore. We don't make any money on these. We just make them a resource to be available to you guys. This is a great book, uh, Great Parents, Lousy Lovers by Gary Smalley and Ted Cunningham. Uh, and, and one of the reasons why I like it is uh, Gary Smalley, he's like in his 70s, and Ted Cunningham's a little bit, you know, he's, a, he's our age, maybe a little bit older than me. And so it's really uh, interesting to see the, just the two different perspectives come in. Uh, you know, Gary Smalley is a grandparent, and uh, Ted, Ted Cunningham is a, is a parent with young kids just like me. So I really encourage you to check that out. Uh, it's only $3 in our bookstore, and we also have another book as well. All right, part three. How to be a great parent and lover. Now, my, uh, my wife is 36 and I'm 37, and so we don't have this all figured out. We're learning together just like all of you, and we make mistakes daily, and uh, we're just, we just embrace God's grace in our lives and, and, and extend grace to one another and, and extend grace to our kids as well. Um, some of you may not know uh, my family, so I wanted to just kind of share a little bit about us. I think we have a picture of, of our family up there. So that's the whole white clan right there. So uh, you have uh, Graydon, who's eight. Uh, he, actually, you turn eight uh, next week. You have uh, Cash. He just turned five. Declan, we call him Dex. He'll be uh, one next, uh, next month. And then we have Noel. We call her Noe, and, uh, and she's three years old. So uh, we've been very fruitful these last several years. And uh, so, so that's, our, that's our little family right there. Uh, we have three out of our four kids all have birthdays in February. So uh, February is a very, a very busy month. Um, but uh, before, before, yeah, yeah. Maybe June, May and June May are busy, busy months, months as well. For us. <laughs> um, but before there was our little family, there was just us. And uh, so that's a picture of us on our wedding day. We're just kids back then. That was uh, 10 years ago. We got married in Connecticut. Uh, beautiful foliage in the background. And, uh, and before there was us, there was us individually. So we have a, a picture here. That's my little Sabrina. <laughs> and uh, I think she was getting tired of getting her picture taken that day. And, uh, but, man, that's, that's my little firecracker right there. And, uh, and then, there was a, then there was me. Then there was me. I came along. <laughs> Look at that hair, dude. Listen, if I had that hair right now, she would not be able to keep her hands off me right now. <laughs> so boy and girl met, and, uh, and, and we fell in love, and, and God has blessed, blessed our family. This, this mess is, isn't just for parents. Uh, with young kids, you know, you think about this book, you know, Great Parents, Lousy Lovers, and you think of, uh, you know, just parents with small kids, and it's, and it's so much more than that. Uh, this is parents of all ages, for, for parents of all ages, including grandparents. Uh, even if you don't have children, this message will apply to you. Um, first, I want to say, remember, you are a child of God. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you are a child of God, and, and, and really that's at the heart uh, of who we are, and you can't forget that. 
Uh, it's important to understand the source of love. Uh, you and I do not produce or generate one ounce of love. And in 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. It's only after I fill myself with God's love that I have something to give my spouse, my children, and one day my grandchildren. Uh, God is the source of love. You know, you have to uh, understand that because if you try to love your spouse and your kids, uh, the rest of your family, without embracing God's love for you, you're going to go through your own strength, and, and that's not going to work out. Marriage is temporary in light of eternity. Our relationships with God will outlive our marriage. And God created marriage not to compete with him, but to point with him. And finding your fulfillment, and I love what this book says, and I'm going to use uh, quite a bit from this book, and it's, it's, it's just a, it's a great book. It's very practical. It's very biblical. It says, finding your fulfillment in God is the cornerstone to a satisfying life and marriage. Finding your fulfillment in God is the corner, cornerstone to a satisfying life and marriage. And the more you put God at the center of your life, the more the relationships in your life that are dearest to you become priorities. So God should be your everything. And I know a lot of times, you know, we list, you know, God, family, church, friends, and, and that's fine. But I've, I've also seen it where, like, God is at the center, and you have your spouse and your kids and your family and your church and your family, I mean, and your friends and your job. Uh, so I've seen it that way as well. Your marriage is not your place of fulfillment. And I think that's a lot of times that a mistake that couples make, that, that husband and wife make, is they try to find all their fulfillment, fulfillment from the other person. You're not going to find perfect love through an imperfect person. And if you do, you're going to be frustrated. And that's why so many, we see so many people frustrated in their marriage because they're trying to find the perfect love through the spouse. And they were never meant to do that. Your spouse can't fulfill you. You find that fulfillment, that meaning, and that purpose in God alone. And those who expect their spouse to fulfill their deepest needs will constantly live in frustration. And so some of you are just in constant frustration because you're trying to find that fulfillment. How are you taking personal responsibility for your own spiritual journey? Uh, you must take 100% responsibility for your own spiritual growth. Um, who have you been blaming for not growing your relationship in Jesus? Who have you been blaming for not growing in your relationship with Jesus? And, and Sabrina has some great things to share with that. Yeah, I, when we were speaking through this and um, <clears throat> talking through it, I just had a thought, you know, when I apply that question to my own life... Hello? Oh, there we go. <laughs> Come on, guys. I'm already nervous. Um, 
I was thinking about, you know, when I think back in, in my own life, um, I've made excuses before. I, you know, I'm not having consistent quiet times because I'm just so tired and I've got, you know, four kids or whatever, three kids, you know, before Declan came and I'm running a small business and, you know, I've got all these lists of things where I'm going to bed at midnight and waking up at seven and three times in between to nurse a baby. And so, you know, trying to like squeeze one more thing in, I just don't have time to have a consistent quiet time. And then I, I kind of stopped and realized I'm blaming my kids. That's really what that was. Coming up with all these excuses, I'm blaming my kids for my lack of spiritual growth, which, which is horrible because <laughs> I'm supposed to be exemplifying to my children how to grow spiritually. And um, so that was kind of We need to get another mic for you. Um, that's, that's so good. You know, you have, it's so easy to blame other people for your lack of growth. And we can blame our spouse and, and we can blame our kids. Uh, but you're responsible for your spiritual growth and you're responsible for your actions as well. Uh, you know, your spouse is not in charge of your moods, of your of your emotions, of your words, or your, or your reactions. And a lot of times we want to blame our spouse for, having, for us having a lack of discipline, of how to control ourselves, for how to control our anger, for how to control our moods, or, or whatever we say. You know, you must encourage your spouse's spiritual journey while removing all expectations for him or her to meet your spiritual and emotional needs. Jesus is the only one that can meet your spiritual and emotional needs. If you are relying for your spouse to meet that, you are going to be frustrated, you're going to get upset, and you're going to take it out in them. And it's not fair. It's not fair to them. You can be an encouragement to your spouse's spiritual growth, but you're not responsible for their spiritual growth. Um, Sabrina and I, we often talk about uh, having a date with Jesus and uh, there's, you know, there's some nights where we know we just, you know, we just really haven't spent time with the Lord maybe that week. And so we turn off all the TV, we turn off the computers, and we just sit in the same room, you know, play a little worship music, and we just have a quiet time with the Lord together. And, and we share a little bit about uh, what God's speaking to our hearts. And I know um, it was last month where I, know, I knew Sabrina needed a break. And so, um, so after dinner time, I said, I want you to go, go to Starbucks. I want you to have a little date with Jesus, and I'm going to take care of the kids. I'll, I'll bathe them and, and brush your teeth and put them in bed. You just spend a couple hours, and you just go. And, and that's really important, I think, for, for you to have that uh, in your marriage. Uh, my wife and I, we also saturate ourselves with sermons throughout the week. Um, I mean, there's some weeks we, we individually we listen to about three to five sermons a week. And, and, you know, I'm in the car quite a bit, so I'll listen to sermons uh, in the car. Um, I'll wash dishes, because that's what men do. And uh, I'll wash dishes, and I'll put a sermon on while I'm washing dishes. It's amazing how long it, cleans, it takes to clean the kitchen. It's crazy. I mean, it takes like 10 minutes to mess it up, and it takes like an hour to clean it. So I have plenty of time there. You know, Sabrina... Um, you know, she works from home. We have a photography business. She works from home. And, and so she listens to a lot of sermons while she's uh, doing editing with pictures. But we enjoy hearing what the other is learning. Uh, some, of, some of the people that we listen to quite a bit, we listen to a lot of Matt Chandler, uh, Andy Stanley, J.D. Greer, 
uh, Judas Smith, Stephen Furtick, Perry, you know, we listen to those guys on a regular basis. And uh, you wanted to share a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I was just thinking, you know, it's kind of fun because, um, like he mentioned, I would say 85, 90% of the time when I'm processing pictures or on the computer, I'm listening to a podcast from one of these guys. And, and he is too. And so inevitably, there's times where we end up hearing the same message. So, you know, at the end of the night, I... I'll hear him listening to, you know, maybe Judah or something like that. And I'm like, oh, I listened to that last week. I said, isn't that funny, that story he shared? And then we start talking about the message. And we end up talking about it in a lot of ways, like many couples talk about an episode on TV that they watched or the, mo the movie they just watched. The only difference is there's a lot more depth with us talking about the podcast we listen to because it's, it's leading us to speak about spiritual things and also encouraging us to learn each other's hearts more. You know, there'll be a certain part of that message that connected with him differently than what connected with me. And so, and so to kind of, you know, when I mentioned before about sort of blaming my kids for my lack of spiritual growth because of busyness, it doesn't have to look, you can be creative with your times with God too. It doesn't have to look formal where, okay, I have to sit down, be, not be distracted, have my Bible out, you know, 10 minutes of prayer, read a chapter. It can look like that, and that's wonderful, and it should every so often, but the truth is there's days where I, I don't even open my Bible. That Sometimes I have to grab, you know, a Snickers kind of, like a little snack, quiet time where I'm just reading a, the daily devotional that we offer out here, and that's all I get to, or um, listening to a podcast while I'm working or driving in the car or cleaning or that kind of thing, and that, you know, also helps feed me throughout the week, but, you know, so... We just um, kind of. Yeah, I mean, and don't you know? Don't get us wrong. You don't, I don't want us to think you're like, like, like we're not like monks at our house. No, you know, we're like. And there's days where I don't even have a quiet time at all. I want to yeah. just throw that out there because just the reality of life, so that I don't want to set some kind of um, inaccurate picture. Yeah. <laughs> You know, there's definitely days where that just doesn't exactly. Even happen. And you know, and we like we like watching shows and we like watching, um, you know, movies as well. But I mean, really. I can't remember that. It's been it's been weeks since we've watched a show together, I and mean, we've just been so busy, um, you know, and doing taxes and and preparing messages and and everything else. And, and actually, the, the the sickness has kind of went through our household as well. But um, uh, but it's just important to really talk about the things that affect all eternity, you know. And and if and if your conversations with your spouse are just a lot of like surfacey, superficial stuff, you know, you're not really getting uh, to the heart of, of, of what it's all about. Uh, another thing I want to say is to don't play the role of the Holy Spirit in your spouse's life. Uh, it's very easy for us to tell our spouse what they're doing that's not honoring God or, you know, to point out their sins. Um, you know, there's only one Holy Spirit and you're not it. Um, you know, say, like, what if, uh, listen, man, like, I, I'm in love with Jesus, and, and me and Jesus had a relationship long before, you know, Sabrina and I did, and long before the kids came into the picture. I know when I'm kind of varying off a little bit. All right. Now, we, you know, we need to have accountability, but if it's always, like, constant, like, pointing out your spouse's flaws, like, no one wants to live with that. Like, it, would, it drives your spouse crazy. And so don't be the Holy Spirit. Allow God to do his work in your spouse that, that the Holy Spirit wants to do. And you say, well, what if, you know, what if my spouse is not saved? 
Uh, when your spouse sees your deep love and transformation in Christ, they will want to join that spiritual journey with you. Um, raise your hand if you've, if you've seen The War Room. Have you guys seen The War Room? Man, that was an awesome movie. And you know what? what, you, know what you know what changed? When, um, when that spouse went to praying for her husband instead of nitpicking on him and everything that he did wrong. And then, you know, when he, when he lost his job and stuff and he was expe- expecting his wife to just, you know, blow a gasket and she didn't. And he was just like stunned because God was transforming her life. When God transforms your life, your spouse is going to notice that. And so keep on just pressing forward and, and keep on loving them like God loves you. And, uh, and you're going to see, you're going to see a difference. Start every day remembering that God loves you more than anyone does or can. Start your day remembering that God loves you more than anyone does or can. And he, desi- and he desires to give you more of his power and love. Listen, when I wake up and, and, I, and I remember that God loves me more than anyone will ever, and he loves me more than my spouse does, then I'm not setting her up uh, I'm not setting her up for, for failure that day. You know, I'm not setting unfair expectations on her to love me in a way that she can't love me. And, you know, it just, it takes work to get to know God. And I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about that, about... Yeah, um, you know, you might think it sounds strange to say it takes effort or work to try to get to know to know God. But the truth is, when you think about anything, you know, you need to lay a foundation. Um, when you take the work to lay the foundation, whether it's a friendship or you know, um, a relationship with your child or certainly spouse, that's what we're talking about. You have to work at, at, um, kind of learning them and how, you know, how they're doing them, that, that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and while you're working through that, then there, that creates a depth and a stronger intimacy. You know, when you first meet somebody, um, you think, oh, I really, you know, let's talk about a friendship. I really like that girl. I think we could be friends. You know, it's sort of real casual at first. And then the more time you spend together and the more work you put into that relationship pursuing each other, the closer you feel and the more intimate. And so the same with your walk with God. But the cool thing about that is if you establish really good patterns and habits now and the work to pursue God and and also the discipline to sit and listen to him and hear learn how to hear his voice because he's pursuing you as well then you reap the benefits later on of um, an effortless intimacy with him and then it and then it does become effortless so if you look at other people's lives that seem like gosh they just seem so close to God and just hearing them pray it seems so effortless and they're always talking about Jesus and how blessed and you know they, I see them struggling, and it just doesn't seem to affect them. Well, they didn't just arrive there overnight. They've been working on their relationship with God and learning his character and how to hear his voice and that sort of thing. So, Yeah, I mean, you are, you, we say it all the time. You are as close to God as you want to be. And, you know, when, when the, the more that you draw closer to Christ, um, and especially on the days that you don't want to have a quiet time, like you need to have a quiet time, especially on those days. And, um, you know, I remember when Sabrina and I were first um, getting to know one another, uh, we were in, both in New Mexico, and, and we would talk literally till 3 o'clock in the morning in the car. And I promise we were just talking because, you know, we did, we did it the right way. We, you know, she, I was a pastor, and she was ready to leave to be a missionary in, in Africa. And, and, but we just wanted to spend as much time together and talk to each other as much as possible. And, and, and 
And it's important that, you can, we, that we still continue to pursue uh, one another in that way. Uh, but it takes time and it takes work to, to get to know Jesus in a more intimate, intimate way. Some questions you may need to ask yourself as far as uh, you and your spouse goes. What way have you been trying to change your spouse? What way have you been trying to change your spouse? What change do you need to make first? What change do you need to make first? And why is it so easy to expect more out of your spouse and less of yourself? So I guarantee you, if you would kind of take a look at some of your unfair expectations on your spouse, you would enjoy your marriage a lot more. And your spouse would enjoy being with you a lot more as well. Next one, being a lover. To, oh, sorry. No, you're good. Okay. I saw the mic up there. Okay. Um, being a lover to your spouse. Uh, this is really important and, and something that we really want to, to emphasize here. Um, it's your turn on, on that part. So. Yeah, no, in, in everything we've been talking about right now as far as foundation and learning to let Jesus fill you so you have the overflow of love and for your marriage and everything, this all, again, is foundation for a great sex life too. You know, if you have um, a spouse that knows you intimately and um, that sort of thing, then this is going to just pour over also into the physical intimacy part of your marriage. Um, there was a mother who said, it's ironic that romance gives us our children and children and our romance. <laughs> so um, I thought that was kind of cute <laughs> and a little bit true, but um, unless you work on it. Um, <clears throat> so as we stated, I, we listened to, you know, different podcasts throughout the week as supplement to, um, you know, the leadings and already teachings of this church. And, um, so this is not an original thought to me, but I just loved it from one of the guys I, I've been following. And, and he says that falling in love requires a pulse. So basically anybody can fall in love, you know, it just requires a pulse, but staying in love requires a plan. So, so basically um, the world tends to think of love as a noun. So most people treat love, especially, you know, when we look in our culture and everything, as, an, as, as a noun, a person, a place, or thing, or idea. So they, they treat love as an idea. But Jesus taught and also demonstrated that love is a verb, that it's an action. And so that is the key element of the plan that you need to put in place in order to stay in love long term. Uh, we all know that the heart can be deceitfully wicked and um, that it can be, uh, you know, emotions come and go. And so you can't base, you know, well, I don't feel like I'm in love with them anymore. Um, there's, there's so much more behind what it truly means to, to love somebody for a lifetime than just a simple feeling. Um, so if you look at Philippians um, 2, verse 3 and 4, um, it says that uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. So if we apply that kind of within the context of a marriage, you know, that can kind of translate don't compete. So don't compete with one another in your marriage. It's not about who worked harder at the end of the day, you know. And there's times where my flesh wants to do that, where he'll come home from work and I'll know that he's had several meeting appointments. So he's met with people throughout the day. Now, <clears throat> the reality of that is that that's kind of draining after a while when he's, you know, has like f four different meetings that he has to meet with. But in my mind, he got to meet at Starbucks for breakfast. He got to meet at Panera for lunch. <laughs> and he got to talk with adults all day long. So when he comes home and I've had the kids all day in the house because somebody's got a cold and I can't leave to go anywhere, I'm exhausted and tired and, and everything. So 
I like to kind of, in my mind, go, well, I'm more tired than you are, so I feel like maybe you should clean the kitchen because I've had the harder day. But that's kind of what this is sort of pointing to. You know, don't, don't compete with your spouse. It's not about who's had the harder day. It's not about, but what it, what it is about, and if you read the next part of that scripture, rather in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each, each of you to the interests of others. It's about emptying yourself. So, so, um, when you think about that, there, I guarantee you there's not any marriage um, of, there's no person that's full of themselves that's in a long-term marriage and still full of themselves. You know, you, you talk about, oh, he's so full of himself or he's so, she's so, you know, inward focused. That's not, that's not a recipe for a long-term marriage. You, Jesus was constantly pouring himself out um, and he, he demonstrated that for us. And so, so within your marriage, you know, what that looks like is maybe, when he comes home and he's tired from five, five meetings, whether it's with staff or, or meeting with some of y'all and um, talking through stuff or hospital visits, he also does some chaplain work at the hospital and um, prison, that kind of thing. Um, he comes home and the very first thing he does, uh, to be honest, the very first thing he does is go to the bedroom and put his pajama pants on. <laughs> um, <laughs> but five minutes later, you know, 10 max, he comes out and the very first thing he says is, what can I do to help? And that, that right there is a game changer in your marriage. If you are both asking, what can I do to help? Basically, you're saying, how can I put myself aside and what I really want to do in order to benefit you? How can I empty myself for your benefit? <clears throat> Honestly, if everyone in your family would say that, even kids, I see a couple of kids in the, in the sanctuary too, if you would blow your parents' socks off if you just walked up to them without being prompted and said, mom, what can I do to help? I mean, that's a game changer and it might require a little sacrifice because she might actually answer you well could you could you pick up the living room or if you you know it's beautiful outside the yard needs to be raked so just you know be prepared after, that after she passes out then, then yeah then, then, then she'll respond which you can help but you. I guarantee that will that will start sowing a seed within your family of selflessness and and then also generate a closeness um amongst you you know start within your marriage just asking each other what can I do to help you I put a great video on my Facebook this past week with Matt Chandler, and he talks about that. He says, husbands, you should be exhausted when you lay your head down at the pillow at night because you've given everything you have uh, at, your, at your work. You've worked hard to honor God, and then when you got home, you worked hard to be a husband and to be a father, and you should be exhausted. And he says, he said, if you're not tired at the end of the night, you're not doing something right. And, and, and you, you, should, you should not have much energy to stay up and, and surf on the web and be on your phone or whatever it is. Um, and he talks about how bored, a bored man is a dangerous man. A bored man is a dangerous man. And so husbands, when you, listen, you should have no problem sleeping at night because you are exhausted. Because you've worked so hard. Uh, being, being a faithful employee, being a faithful husband, and being a faithful father. So if you guys are staying up late and you got all this energy, then get to work because you're not putting enough in during, during the day. And don't let that discourage you if you kind of are a little bit lazy and you're like, oh, gosh, you know, I like my sleep. I don't know. But because you'll, be, you'll feel fulfilled. I mean, it's fulfilling to put – who knows that? You know, when you put a great hard day's work in and you've gotten a lot accomplished, you just feel – like you've earned that sleep and it's been a good day because, you know, it's in, you're going to reap benefits from that. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 19, 5 and 6, describing a marriage, 
so they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Being one means woven together, being woven together. When a husband and wife divorce, they don't just break up. What happens in a divorce is they are torn apart. And God has united a man and a wife in a glue relationship. So he doesn't describe the parent-child relationship that way. He doesn't say that, um, you know, mother and son are one, mother and daughter are one, you know, uh, father and, and child are one. He only uses that terminology in a marriage. Um, a funny story that I want to share with you is, uh, so we, we had these curtains made for uh, Noel, and we got like some real thick ones that would block out the light so she could take a really good nap. And, um, but they're like probably like one of the heaviest curtains I've ever, I've ever, uh, I've ever held before. And what was happening is they were kind of so heavy, they were kind of like bowing out a little bit. And so light was still get, coming out from the sides. And so I'm like, man, we got to, you know, we got to, we got to fix this. And so I'm like, all right, I know the trick. I'm going to get some heavy duty Velcro. And so I went to Lowe's and I got the industrial strength Velcro. All right. Like stuff that you could like you know, stick a bowling ball to a ceiling and it would still stick. So I put this uh, Velcro onto the wall and, uh, and I'm like, man, and, and I, talked, I already talked about my Mr. Fix-It skills last week. So, so we put this Velcro against the wall. Now the, the Velcro after, I mean, it, 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 it did a good job, uh, but it was so strong that the Velcro stuck together, but it didn't stay on the wall. It ripped the plaster off the wall. And so in my, in my, in, in Noe's room, actually Dex is in there as well, but on each uh, side of the window, there's two windows. So on each side of the window, there's just plaster ripped off the walls all throughout the room. Okay. Let me say something really quick because he did buy industrial strength and it, I mean, that stuff sticks. Not only does the adhesive stick really well to the surface you're putting it on the wall, but the Velcro sticks really well to each other. So when we would try to yank the curtain off, eventually what he just described happened and it ripped the drywall, the paint, the drywall, it just ripped the whole thing. But my husband, and he did a great job getting that and it was a phenomenal idea, but he didn't just put like a little square or a circle. He did a whole strip of the Velcro at the top and the bottom of the curtain. So it's not, <laughs> yeah. Hey, go big or go home, baby, right? So it, it's not just like, oh, there's one little spot um, where your drywall and paint is missing. There are four large, like the size of my hand, chunks on either side of my two windows in there where it's missing. So, you know, just, <laughs> just showing that, you know, a lot to kind of bring it back to what he was saying about glue in a relationship. Like, it's not just a little Band-Aid, ouch, that hurts, it's gone. It's more, it's more like that. And I know it's a silly analogy, but that left a huge mark on the wall. I mean, it wasn't, tearing that off was not just like, oh, there's a little mark there. I mean, you walk in, if you glance at the window, you see four large white spots where there shouldn't be. Um, and, yeah, so when you, like, when, when a couple divorces, man, there is, there's damage done. And there's, there's some, some very, you know, deep wounds that happen because when you, were, when you joined together as one, you were never meant to separate in this life. You were woven together. And, and so that's, that's some of the effects that a divorce can have, and, and, and that has on the kids. But, you know, I know there's, there's several people in here that have been divorced before. But listen, God is bigger. 
God is bigger than, than the pain and the heartache that we go through. And it's amazing what he can restore. And so if, if you haven't been restored, he wants to restore you, and he wants to start that process right right now. He makes beauty from ashes Amen. all the time. And so don't be discouraged if you are divorced or you've been divorced or, or anything because, I mean, we, we can find people that can give you testimonies of how Amen. he's made beauty Amen. from ashes. So God did not design us to have kids-centered marriages. Kids grow up and leave. You and your spouse are united for a lifetime. You are not united for, for your kids for a lifetime. Uh, God did not put a parent and child in the garden together. Adam and Eve were husband and wife before they were parents. I love this quote. It's going to make some of you upset, but that's okay. God never intended the bond between parent and child to be as strong, let alone stronger, than the bond between husband and wife. When we attempt to develop a stronger bond with our kids rather than our spouse, that is a profile for a kid-centered home, not a Christ-centered home. And, and we want a Christ-centered home. We love our kids. Listen, you know, but we were together before our kids were, and our kids aren't going to be living in the house. And, and after college, they can't find a job. Hey, we're going to give them some time, but they're going to start paying some rent. You know, I mean, like, like we want to send them on the way, all right? Like, I love my wife, and, um, and you know, all right. So there's been a couple of times when I've had to, like, go home or, you know, to regroup a little bit, but it was temporary, all right? If, if your child is in, you know, their 30s and their 40s still living at home, that's a problem. That's an issue, all right? Listen, if they still got the Star Wars sheets on their bed and they're 40, he that's man. an issue. That's an issue. Um, don't sacrifice your marriage for your kids. Sabrina and I want to enjoy married life and raise great kids, and you can do both. You know, blood is thicker than water, but it should not be thicker than a marriage covenant. It should not be thicker than a marriage promise that you made with your spouse. And it's also important for grandparents to not put their grandkids before their spouse. And we see this as well in couples. Uh, man, I, I long for the day to be a grandparent. I can't, I can't wait. Uh, that's an awesome thing. You know, you get to spoil them and send them home. Um, but if you're a grandparent, you cannot put your kids and your grandkids ahead of your spouse. You can't do it. That's not honoring God if you're doing it. Did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Or? Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about prayer. Prayer is one of the most intimate things that you can do with your spouse, but it is also one of the most awkward things. I'm just going to get real here. I can pray with any single one of you in this worship auditorium. If you come up to the altar after service, I pray, I pray, and we can have some church, you know. It is awkward for me to pray with this woman right here who is one with me. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know if you guys experience that as well, but uh, I don't know if part of it is because she knows me better than anyone else. 
And so if I've had a rough day and, and I maybe haven't been real kind to her that day, and then at night I'm like, hey, do you want to pray? <laughs> like, no, you've been a jerk to me all day. Why would I want to pray with you, you know? And, and, and sometimes, and she doesn't call me a jerk, but I, you know, I, I mean, I, I know when I'm being a jerk to her. Um, and it's just, it's, it's just awkward, man. It's, and sometimes I just feel like I have to have this, like, incredible, you know, whenever we do pray, I just have to have this incredible prayer, you know, it's just got to be, man, it's got to be from God, and you got, and she's got to be like, wow, like, I feel like I have to blow her away when I pray, and, and, and that's not the case, man, you know, uh, there's some, there's some things I, I was, I was reading online yesterday about, about praying with your spouse, and you don't always have to pray out loud with your spouse, it, it, one of the suggestions was at night, just sit together on the couch and pray and hold hands and just pray silently for each other. Like, that's, that's prayer. Um, pray as you talk. You know, acknowledging God is part of a conversation. So we can have a conversation and, and just acknowledge God in that conversation and maybe even just do like little popcorn prayers, you know, through that conversation. Uh, write out your prayers. Uh, maybe, maybe send your spouse a text message, you know, just with a few, a few sentences of what you're specifically praying for them that day. Like, that would mean a lot, wouldn't it? Um, you can pray out loud. That's, that's good, too, but that doesn't have to be the only way. And, and, and Sabrina and I really, we really need to do a better job of praying together. You know, it's, it's, it's we just, we just that's, that's an area of our life that's not very strong, that we need to uh, make a, more of a priority. Yeah, if we're, if we're being completely candid and honest, we do not pray with each other every day. We, ju- we don't. And that's an area that God's convicted us on that we're working on. Um, you know, and, and sometimes when I'm praying for him throughout the day, it's not, it's not like get my, getting on my knees and, God, you know, please just, you know, make him the man or whatever. Whatever the prayer is, it's, it doesn't always look like that. Sometimes I'm driving and there's children screaming in the back and he's all of a sudden I think about it. Oh yeah, Jeremy had that meeting with that guy. And I might just say, quiet down, mommy, hold on a second. Oh God, could you just be with Jeremy? You know, while he's meeting. Okay. What did you need now? Like sometimes that's what it looks like when I'm praying for him, you know? So it doesn't have to be. So I think sometimes we complicate things and it can just be little snippets throughout the day. That's still keeping him on my mind and talking to God about him just, you know, throughout the day without having to yeah. formalize it so much. And I think it's good to just even ask your spouse what you can pray for them. You know, it's like, just say, hon, what can I be praying for you about today? You know, or um, whether, whether, it's, whether you say it before you leave, the, you know, walk out the door or, you know, send a text message and say, hey, what are some things that I can be praying for you? Because I want to specifically know how I can be praying for her because when I'm specifically praying for her, that creates intimacy um, as well. <clears throat> um, continue to date your spouse. It's so important to continue to date your spouse. Um, you should do it daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly. Daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly. Let me, let me explain a little bit about this. Daily. You know, steal some hugs or kisses in the hallways or in the kitchen. All right? That's, that's, that's it's dating each other weekly. Daily. I mean daily. Uh, weekly. Turn off the TV and just talk. Talk about your week. How, how are you guys doing? You know, what, what's, what's God speaking to you? Uh, what's something? What's something good that's happened to you? What's something that's difficult that happened to you that past week? Uh, monthly or semi-monthly, you should have coffee or dinner away from home without your kids at least once or twice a month. Put it in the budget. You know, you always 
find time and money to do the things you want to do. You have to date your spouse. We make it a priority for us that at least at least once a month that we sense we we spend some time without the kids. You know, grandparents come over and watch them, or we hire a babysitter. And I know that that can get pricey as well when you're talking about a babysitter, you know, a date, and Starbucks, or whatever else is. But it is so worth it. It's so worth it. And then celebrating the biggies, you know, your fifth anniversary, your tenth, <coughs> your fifteenth, your twentieth, whatever it is, those, those big anniversaries, you need to get away at least for a weekend with, when those happen. You need to at least get away at least for a weekend, maybe even a week. You need to get away. And that's so important. Uh, if you think you're, you're too busy to date, you're too busy not to date. Uh, the more you have pulling at you, the more you need to create opportunities to connect as a couple. Uh, marriage is awesome, but it's hard work. And it was, if, if, if it was easy, then how much would you really rely on Jesus if your marriage was easy, if, you, if being a parent was easy? And uh, it's important to, to remember that there are wow days and there are vow days. <laughs> wow days is when you are so in love with your spouse, you just look at her and you're like, man, you know, you just can't stop talking about her. And, uh, and you just, I mean, you're just affirming her and you're telling all your buddies how awesome your wife is. And then there are vow days. <laughs> vow days are days where you don't like each other very much at that moment. And you need to create some space. One of you needs to get away from the house for just a little bit, uh, go for a walk or whatever it is, because it's just, it's really hard to love them at that moment. And, and that's just reality. That's just reality. If you think all your days are just going to be wow days, you know, especially if you're newlyweds, you know, that's not reality. All right. Um, so remember, there's vow days and they're wow days and they're going to, they're going to intermingle. Um, but that's okay. That's, that's life. Have fun and laugh together. And, and also keep dreaming with your spouse. Think about when you, before you and your spouse got married, uh, or maybe, maybe that first year of marriage, you had all these dreams and all these goals that you wanted to accomplish together. And then, and then life happens, and, and kids come, and then you kind of stop dreaming. You kind of stop dreaming with your spouse on, on, on things that, that you want to do together, or just off-the-wall things, you know, maybe you want to travel or, or whatever it is. And it's, it's really important to keep those dreams alive and talk about those uh, right now. So we want to add anything to that? Or I know probably got to keep moving along here. Um, last one, be a godly parent to your child. Be a godly parent to your child. Is your home a kid-centered home or a Christ-centered and couple-centered home? Um, here are some ways you can tell you have a kid-centered home. You consider an appetizer the free applesauce that comes with a kid's meal. You may have a kid-centered home if one or more of your children sleep in your bed more than you do. You may have a kid-centered home if you go on a date with your spouse, but you have to call the babysitter at the top of every hour. Or you feel like you need to bring them a gift back from your dates because you, were t you spent time away from them. You may have a kid-centered home if your idea of a date night is watching the kids play on the playground at Chick-fil-A. There's some people that aren't laughing because that was like last night. So. <laughs> kid-centered kid homes can produce self-centered children. 
kid, child-centered homes can produce self-centered children. Listen, children need to be told no. They need to learn that the world doesn't revolve around them. They need to, to realize that the family doesn't revolve around them. They need to serve others. They need to be allowed to make mistakes and learn from them. You know, we have a little advantage because we have four kids. So our kids don't have, an, have a chance to, to, to make their world centered around them because they got three other siblings. There's six people that live under our household. And, um, and so it's so important that, that you start early and that everything doesn't revolve around your kids. You know, the, the kids shouldn't dictate um, where the family goes out to eat all the time. The kids shouldn't dictate where the family goes on vacation. You know, that, that should not happen. Yeah, they can give some suggestions, but you know what? You're the mom and dad, and, and, and you're, you're, the, you're the parents. So really, you have to really catch yourself. You know, kids take over, over space, over schedules, over endurance, over endurance and, they, and strength, and it's not for the faint of heart. Now, my parents are sitting here, and they have um, a lot more insight into our life, and so... Just to revisit what we said in the beginning, we're working on this and learning this ourselves because there are moments for sure where we do let the kids kind of dictate and then we have to kind of regroup and be like, wait a minute, who's the parent, you know? And there, of course, there's times where, yes, you're going to go to Chick-fil-A and let them play and do things for the kids. But what Jeremy's talking about is a, is a pattern of that. And for that, you know, if this is your life for years plus, then there's something going on and you're, you're having a kid-centered home. Um, parenting is not for the faint of heart. It's hard work. And I'll tell you what, it's... Being a pastor is easier than being a parent. It really is. I mean, parent is, is the hardest job that I've ever had to do. Uh, my wife and I have an awesome responsibility to raise our children up in the Lord. However, they belong to God first and foremost. They are not our kids. They belong to God. God created them. And they're not like just your possession. And, and I think that's really important to remember as well. Um, you need to show your kids how to love like Christ does. And in Ephesians 5.25 it says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Your kids have a front row seat to your marriage. And if your marriage does not reflect the love of Christ toward one another, you are missing the, missing the mark. Your, parent, your, your kids need to see sacrifice in your relationship on a consistent basis. And great parenting is the overflow of a great marriage. Great parenting is the overflow of a great marriage. Yeah, your kids need to, um, they should not, as he just said, they should not be the center of your life. God needs to be the center. Um, but also, they need to see your faith makes a tangible difference in their life. We've, we've heard so many, we've seen it, we've heard stories and testimonies of children who've been raised in church and fall away once they leave the house. And a lot of times, the reason is because they've been going to church, you know, on a weekly basis, regular basis, but in their home life, their family life and their lives don't look any different from the rest of the world's or their friends' friends' lives. So why do I want to stay in a church? Why do I want to stay in a faith or religion um, that doesn't look any different from the rest of the world? You know, in my regular home life, my parents did not exemplify their faith for me outside of the hour and a half we were inside a building called church. Um, and so you want to make sure that you're sharing with them anything that allows your children to see where faith intersects real life. 
I think a lot of times we we see that if you have a strong walk with God and you know but but there's it you have to be intentional about pointing that out to your children and pulling them aside and talking about that so um and I have a little story about that where um, our son, Graydon, is very generous. He, um, he loves money, and he loves to buy things, and he loves math and counting, but he also loves to give people gifts. So if you're a close friend or family member, he loves to give, make a birthday card on your birthday and put a dollar bill in it and give it to you, and he uses his own money to do that. Um, I know my brother-in-law turned 40 recently, and he wanted to get him a gift, and he had Jeremy take him to the store and... Couldn't find a gift exactly, so we got him a $5 gift card for him and made a card and put it in there. But that was unprompted by us. That's just Graydon. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've uh, encouraged that um, and just said, you know, that God loves that. That makes God's heart happy to see you being so generous and so giving, and, um, and that comes natural to him. So that's background information. A few weeks ago, we went to Raleigh for a family day, um, and my children, the two older boys, love Legos. So if we go to Raleigh, they instantly are like, Lego store, can we please go to the Lego store? So we did. They had some extra Christmas money, and um, we incorporated the Lego store in with our family day. It was slow um, at the store, so we just kind of let them play. I don't know if any of you have ever been to the Lego store, but there's a couple areas where you can actually just play with the Legos. Um, we built some little Lego figures of our family. Jeremy has it as his profile picture, you know. <laughs> um, and we, so we had fun with that. Well, we purchased the little Lego figures um, for our family, and while we're purchasing it, we were chatting with the um, manager or the assistant manager and mentioned how their birthdays were coming up. And so he was really sweet, and he said, well, you've got you've got four kids here, so let me give you four separate Lego bags with a magazine in each bag. And he pulled out from behind his desk a little plastic package worth about $4 and put one for free inside each of the kids' bags for their birthdays. And I thought, wow, that's so neat. Thank you so much. You know, that was really, that was really kind of you to do that for them. Meantime, Graydon wants to spend some money, so he, there's a big wall in the back of that store that's just got tubs of random Legos. And you can take a container and fill it for $9 with any of those Legos you want. So he, that's what he decided he wanted to do. So he filled his little container full of all kinds of random Legos and put his little lid on it. Came around to the front fully, fully prepared to pay for it. And while we're talking and he's kind of not paying attention, honestly, Jeremy's not really paying too close of attention. The, the, um, associate took the Lego container and dumped it in the bag and then put the container on the shelf behind him. And I said, Oh, doesn't he get the little container it comes in? And the guy said, well, we keep inventory of those, so if I do it this way, I don't have to charge you for those Legos. And I said, oh, well, that is, thank you. That was very nice of you. And I know Graydon. He doesn't really care about the plastic container. He wants the Legos. So we're leaving the store, and, and Jeremy is looking at the receipt, and he goes, and he saw that they only charged us for the little Lego people. And he said, wait a minute. He didn't, Graydon, did you pay for those? And I kind of pulled Jeremy aside, and I, I sort of, you know, we don't want to advertise to everybody else in the store. So I said, well, I don't know if you heard, but the manager said that he could, he just gave them to him. And Jeremy was like, oh, okay. <clears throat> so we're on our way out and Declan's almost one and the guy was walking us out and he said, well, I need something for the little guy too. And he took some Duplos off the Duplo table. He took a car and three little figures and gave it to Declan. He said, he said, 
go ahead and just take them. I said, are you sure? He's like, oh, yeah. He said, honestly, we have a whole bin in the back. It's totally fine. So we got out of the store, and I said, guys, do you, see, do you know what just happened? I said, that guy, he gave you each a special birthday package and your own magazine. I said, and then Graydon, of course, he picked up. He's like, and he gave Declan those toys. I said, Graydon, come here. And I got down, and I said, you know your little Lego thing that you were going to pay $9 for? He said, yeah. I said, he just dumped it in your bag, and he said, you could have it. He, and he goes, what? He did? I said, yeah, you did not even have to pay anything for that whole bag of Legos. And his face lit up, and he was like, oh. Now, I could have stopped right there and said, isn't that awesome? Okay, let's go get lunch. But instead, you want to find moments where your faith intersects your reality of life. And so I, I continued, and I explained to him, I said, you know how mommy tells you that God loves your generous heart and you giving to people? I said, sometimes, and it's not going to happen all the time, but sometimes God will also bless you. I said, so God moved through that guy to give you those Legos as a blessing to you for being so kind and generous. And it said, you know, and I did explain further about how it doesn't always work that way. You can't give and expecting something in return and that kind of thing. But I made it a God moment. And I explained to him how sometimes even without the person knowing they're being prompted, the spirit can move through them to bless, to bless you. Yeah, and there's so many teachable moments throughout the day that you can uh, use for your kids to talk to, talk to them about God and, and how he's working in their lives. Um, we're going to have to kind of skip over some of this little bit here because we're getting – we have so much information that we want to give you guys. But um, are you controlling your schedule or is your schedule controlling you? Is your job controlling your family schedule? Is your, is your children, uh, children's activities and, and sports schedules controlling your family schedule? You know, there's no margin in our lives sometimes. And margin means room to breathe. And we max out our lives and fill every minute with, with something to do and wonder why we're so exhausted. And so we need to learn to say no to good things. You know, Sabrina could take on more business uh, with her photography business. You know, we, we're, we're turning business away but it's more important for us to make more memories than to make more money, all right? What about you? Is it more important to make more memories with your kids and your family or important to make more money? Um, we work so hard to give our kids things we never had when what our kids want most is our time and attention. That's what they want. And um, at some point, all of us need to be renewed with a sense of purpose uh, God, remind me again why I'm doing what I'm doing. Why did I have children in the first place? Remind me, God, because there's some days where you need him to remind you. And remind me that there's an actual purpose behind all the daily grind. Remind me there's a, there's a purpose between, between uh, with, with all the piles of laundry that never end, uh, the dirty dishes that never end. And if you don't slow down, God will make you slow down. He loves you. If you're his kid, he loves you enough that if you don't slow down, he's going to make you slow down. Um, Exodus 28 says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And holy means set apart. Uh, since when did we start thinking that we were better than God? Uh, he rested after creating the world after six days. Jesus ministered to on earth. We see Jesus' ministry and how he rested. I love this prayer. It says, Father in heaven, you created the earth in six days, and you rested on the seventh. You created the earth in a week, and you did it all without me. I can take a day off, and I'm going to have to put the world back in your hands. What day of the week makes sense for your family to take a Sabbath? You know, Sundays are very busy for us, so Sabbath, Sunday is not a Sabbath. Saturday is more the Sabbath for us. 
Now, I'm still kind of working out this, you know, preaching schedule every week and stuff, but, but typically, and we'll get back on schedule, Saturdays are our Sabbath day. We don't turn on the computers. We try to limit our, being on our phones. Um, you know, if you call, leave a voicemail because I'm not picking up. Um, well, yeah, when we're not shooting weddings as well. But you pick a day that is your family Sabbath. And what activities and, and, and uh, what does your day look like? Lastly, I want to say don't lose sight of eternal goals as you spend time with your kids. You are investing in eternity more than you are preparing them for college. You are investing in eternity more than you are preparing them for college. Psalm 9010 says our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Listen, when you are about to take your last breath, think about who you want around the table, I mean around, around, the, around the bedside when you take your last breath. Think about it. Is it going to be your spouse? Is it gonna, it's probably going to be your kids? maybe your grandchildren, those people around your bedside when you take your final breath is who you should be investing most of your time into in this life right now without having any regrets. God can give you the strength and the joy to be his child, to be the lover to your spouse, and to be a godly parent. And you can enjoy this life. It doesn't have to be a burden and, and, and a chore. You can enjoy it, and you can enjoy it with his grace and with his strength. Uh, any closing things you want to say before we close on prayer? I know our time's up. I want to just mention one really quick thing. And, it, and it, we're talking, you know, this, this today's topic is um, lover and parent. And so um, I was speaking real quickly with Kelly Tucker a few weeks ago, and I loved what she said um, about you know, you think about trying to balance all this stuff and balance um, being a parent and balance having kids and that sort of thing, but it's really not a balance. It's more of a teeter-totter, and so, you know, it's a give and take, um, and that was kind of freeing to think about it that way because it's really hard to keep it all straight and balanced, but when you think about there's moments where I need to focus on my marriage because uh, whether it's hurting or not, there's just moments where you got to focus on your marriage, and then there's moments where you got to come back and focus on your kids, but you don't want to leave the other one for, for too long, um, you know, hanging. So you got to make sure, you know, to, it's a give and take, a back and forth to make it work. Um, so I just wanted to kind of mention that because we talk a lot about trying to balance it all, but really it's more of a teeter-totter. Awesome. Hey, let's give it up for my wife. She does a great job.